Now Comic-Con with your host, Andrew Bonner. And Chris Ramos. Tonight, we review Parker by Richard Stark, a.k.a. Donald Westlake, um, adapted by the legendary writer, artist, Darwin Cook. Darwin Cook brings his skills to this old story of, what, gangsters and and, and robberies. Ma- yep, and- the mafia a bit. And sort of a James Bondy guy. Yeah, I would say this kind of reminded me of a like a like a parallel to like Sin City by Frank Miller that we reviewed way early on in the podcast, but it's set it in like New York City. Yeah, um, in like set it out east, the forties yeah. or something. In the sixties, sixties, what? Sixties. And so this was really cool. This has been on my shelf, I think, for the past couple of years. And with the latest edition that came out in May of last year, um, we were kind of looking for new things to read. This kind of came on as we enjoy a good crime graphic novel every once in a while. And I know Chris Ramos here, my co-host, is big into crime and uh, reading crime novels and stuff. Reading so crime, not doing crime. crime. Not doing crime, yes. <laughs> and so, and, and Darwin Cook is one of our favorites. You know, we reviewed New Frontier. And so it was just a big culmination of what actually is this book? What actually is Parker? And so I have it, I read it in the Martini edition. Yeah, so the, the, it's actually been, <clears throat> there's a couple of different formats, which is kind of fun. Sometimes we each read a different format. So I actually went down to the local library and got the four IDW nine by six colored hardcovers. Yes. The small um, guys, the small guys <laughs> which actually that they're they're kind of cool on the shelf and actually all the you know the, the spines line up and everything, I mean, everything like yeah. it was a good quality book so um that's how i read it as more of a i would say a small hardcover maybe more accessible yeah yeah, yeah. just and you can pick it up you can read on the couch you can do you can and the travel stories with. really were volume one volume two volume three volume four and sure so i was like all right well i'm gonna finish this book tonight and this one tomorrow so um, but Andrew had uh, already purchased the, what, yes. the first Martini edition. Yep, I had the first Martini edition. And then I actually didn't know when the last call, it was uh, Parker, the last call Martini edition. I didn't know like when the last, what, what it meant by the last call. So the, that meant this was the last works of Darwin Cook that he did like before he passed away in 2016. Um, and it was just the, the edition that came out, like composing of like the last four, uh, two stories, and then some of the supplemental stuff that came with it. There's some like mini stories. And then Ed Brubaker, who is a, a very well-known comic book um, author, writer, extraordinaire, um, he was a good friend with Darren Quick, and he did um, a story at the end of the second volume, second edition that um, pays tribute to him. So that was like a brand new thing that came with this volume. Yeah, and I think it has a lot more extras in the back and a lot yeah. more like stories than the smaller ones yeah. do because when they sort of, I don't want to say re-released it because the the smaller hardcovers had come out you know years before the these larger martini editions, which are more like absolute editions. Yes, they're, and they're they were inspired tall. by it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the saying goes in a in a brief like forward by Darwin Cook. Um, he was working with his editor, uh, Scott Dumbier, who used to work at Wildstorm, now worked at DC for a little bit, but they were both in, he, Scott inspired and created the Absolute Edition at D, 
DC Comics, which we've reviewed several absolute editions, and we think they're they're super awesome yeah. because they're like iconic stories, including New Frontier, and including New Frontier, and they were blown up to that size. So when they were working on Parker, um, when they had the time and stuff, you know, Darwin Cook was a big fan of that work. Scott was as well, and IDW loves you know, publishing books and stuff and especially with different properties, they're like, yeah, let's blow it up. Let's blow, let's, let's make this, you know, the actual size that he worked on or at least close to, you know, those originals and just let that artwork flow out and bring what they could to the table. So, yeah. And as far as the artwork goes too, you know, you, you'll see a big difference from a smaller format to a larger format on most, uh, comic book artists would would rather benefit from a, a larger format and you know the neither of these have glossy pages yours doesn't have no glossy, yeah. no so, these are all matte yeah, yeah yep so it actually really does translate into that old school feeling just to sort of match how darwin cook uh naturally has his style his style yes. is very uh once you see it i mean a lot of this i think people might sort of pick up on like batman the animated series and things you know inspiration wise and sure things. So it's it's almost like stylized, uh, almost really, I think I don't want to say simplistic, but like just really like a yeah interesting style where he doesn't draw lines all over that aren't needed. Right. Uh, he he puts a great use of of each sort of brush stroke. They're very purposeful. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, his character work in these in these four volumes that came out were just stellar. Um, prob I I don't. I want to call it his magnum opus, but I really like New New Frontier. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Cook spent a lot of time on both these books. New Frontier just came out before it, and that was his big. I wanted to do kind of flex his skills as a as an artist and try to show what he could as a writer as well. And when he got to Parker, he this was kind of at the end of his career, and this was like his big passion project because he loved the Parker. Um, series that Donald West like um, built or wrote and he was very passionate about it and I don't think you know though that series was uh, it was kind of under the radar I think for some people that came up unless you you were in the know and you mm -hmm. read it um, you know I think some of the some of the his friends had it like on the bookshelf as hardcovers and stuff but it never was illustrated it was never you know how do you picture that and stuff like that there were some movies that were coming out um, in that time that we'll, we'll mention later in the, in the podcast, but, um, it was really cool to, for him to flesh those ideas out. Well, and like even parts of his drawings are filled in. He, what he did was a lot of just black inks and then each book had sort of its own color scheme, um, or slightly colored paper. The first book has like a yellowed paper and then yeah. black ink. And you're like, is it, is it like my, my copy? Is yeah, it not? Like, and you're like. They purposely made it just to uh, give this uh, like vintage feel to it, yeah. It's or like just kind of put you not in that bleached mindset. out. I mean, it's like like a yellow stain almost, you know. Yeah, it's um, like aged. I yeah, guess. That's, and that's it really it. helps to me. It helped bring you like hyper into the story, and you were you were sort of glued to that page because it's unlike a color that you've seen before. So you're just really like on those details, um, and then he just did a, like a wash of watercolor to sort of fill in a lot of details with the page and yeah. kind of put a general idea like this is like a reflection from the water or this is a cloud or this is sure. the rest of his face. If you look at some of his drawings of people, um, he's only really drawn like 
their eyes, nose, mouth, and then sort of the rough yeah. outline of their hair. Sure. And then he fills in the other features with just the blue wash, which is really yes. a unique so way to do it. Each story, for or at least the large majority of them, it's only until later that maybe it's a little bit of the same, but um, they have a, each individual one had a distinct color. Yeah. There was no, it was uh, like the, he used white, black, and then whatever color he wanted to um, associate with like the story. So like this one has like a, I don't know, a pale blue. Yeah. So uh, Hunter um, has more of that. Yeah. Like a pale blue. Pale blue. And then the outfit is the next story. Yep. And these smaller books. Now the larger book actually yep. had some other stories yes. get filled in in between, which yeah. is cool. Um, the man with the getaway face that had like a, almost like a blotted out it was start with orange, but it's like a, it's like a very faded orange. And I think you can find that separately yes. outside of this. Yeah. So back when the day when they released this, um, they released it as almost like a single issue, but it was oversized format just for to get reader like new readers in, and then just fill in some of the gaps as well. Um, so it was really cool, and it filled in like a, you know, you can follow some of these characters after like you see them in the following story. So you're like, oh, that's where this character, that's how he met the character that they're interacting with. And now this is where they, they made friends. And like, okay. Well, and as you're flipping through that manila paper is yeah. like odd in the binding. It makes it like really like highlighter oh, yeah. yellow. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's just cool. a weird color, but yeah. it's, you know, it connects and you. And these are, as a person, as I guess we are, as like podcasters and, you know, people reviewing these collected editions, these are some of my favorite collected editions that I've, I have. It's definitely what I really, really enjoyed about it. And I know we're just sort of like randomly hopping around <laughs> in the podcast, but what I really liked about it is that it wasn't based on, um, and I don't want to keep saying superheroes. I don't want to keep saying like we only read superheroes because we've actually read quite a few like we're starting to get more robust. Yeah, we're, like we're maybe half of what we read yeah. is not superheroes. <laughs> but it was it was really great to kind of bring you back down to like basic um, uh, sleuthing, basic private investigator kind of feel, yeah. you know, basic, uh, uh, you know, like clubs and sort of seedy outfits and things. And then realize like one gunshot is like, that's it, you're toast. Yeah. Like, you know, and kind of bring it back down to just sort of you know real life so you're not thinking that someone's going to you know uh throw someone a, into a building or something sure like that. And i mean some of those crime thriller comics that kind of started out i mean they weren't that intricate they couldn't have been had that intricate you know it's yeah. kind of kind of dialing it down but adding some intricate like story into it and things like that kind of i don't know it's 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 very cinematic so you can tell like oh people would be inspired to like do movies by it and stuff like that now, when I was reading volume one. Yes. Um, so I guess we could name off the four volumes. I yeah. Guess. Um, so it's The Hunter and. The Outfit. The Outfit, The Score, and, and then Slayground. Slayground. Yes. And Slayground was kind of a shorter story. It was not quite as long as the others. Yeah. But when I was first reading, like right when I first got into The Hunter, uh, one thing I noticed right away was it was to if I was to be kind of uh, uh, pros and cons, one of the cons was that the names were hard to connect a little bit to who they were talking about. I do agree. Right away, it was like, yeah. okay, so there's this guy, but he's a mob boss, but like there's this guy and he's a friend of his yeah. and he was a friend 20 years it ago, did, but then he double-crossed did, him. You know, was, I did uh, when I was hard. reading Hunter. <laughs> I did, because once, but once you start to... 
when you get done with the hunter and you kind of fill it in reading the rest of the series was a little easier to go into yep i because you got know that too. what the players are i guess or, or you're familiar with like the players you're familiar with what the the voice that darwin cook is trying to establish as a writer right and kind of the tone and like for it. i was yeah. a little surprised by just um the way that parker reacted to things sure you know at first you were like oh he's like the good guy right but he's no, kind yeah. of not he's like an anti-hero sure and i guess this uh that's a good segue so parker is we're gonna say it's for like it's a bit of mature book uh, yeah there's some mature themes in it and there's there is some language a little yeah. bit um some of the drawings aren't like super realistic so they're sort of like graphically yeah. comically but right I mean, there and is some he was nudity. trying to make it feel authentic to 60s and 60s politics and um, mentality and mm -hmm. things like that so uh, we just want to tell people up front just because if you go into this and you're like oh why, why did he do that to the person you know <laughs> well like when people got shot it's always like a um like a explosion sort of like yeah a, like yeah a it's still very cartoony in that yeah. aspect of it so you don't but really just see... like they talk about and refer to like some mature themes and stuff yeah so. that's true that's a good point so but uh so how the hunter like the first page it says just to introduce like kind of like the, the character, it's, it goes, when a fresh-faced guy in a Chevy offered him a lift, Parker told him to go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, that okay, what where's this going? Okay. And then um he just pushes his way through things. Yeah, you know, he's just page, like page. And then it goes, screw you. And then you how Darwin lays out the page is he's showing you like what he's doing uh, as he's driving, what people are, how people are reacting to him, what he looks like on the city way, things like that. And as Ramos was getting to, um, he is, we come to find out he isn't the James Bond that we kind of think he might be. He's more of like, I kind of thought of him as almost like early Punisher. Well, yeah, like I, I guess. Like anti an that anti-hero. Yeah, but you know, like the hero part of it isn't really, you know, think about it. Think the whole story now. Yeah, I'm like, well, I guess there wasn't like heroic. There, I mean, no. there were. He's he's mostly a, um, like a bank robber. Yeah, like a very smart bank robber, but he's also, um, a, a man of opportunity. He yep. al he also will take a job if it pays well, and he feels like he doesn't have to he won't get caught sure he um, is he's still very in it for himself yeah but he does respect the rules of the game i guess you want to call it or right how, and like how business this, this type of business if someone fingers him like double crosses him yep. he will find you you know that yeah. kind of stuff so he yeah. he does hold to the gangster sure if you feel like a good fellow godfather gangs of new york you know that the code of things that, that is very much in here as well and the, the other part of it too is like there's um, moments in the story where, you know, he, he does get the girl or like, he yes. does say, okay, that's my last job. I'm never doing anything again. And then it's like, Man. Oh, someone comes up with like, Hey, I got <laughs> a good got one. Deal. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm right. back. You know, like, yeah. so he is exactly that character that isn't cliche, but he is that one character that you see of like, always coming back to do that one last robbery, sure. like, like yeah, oceans it's, 11. It's cliche of. in a very tasteful way. Yeah, I, I did like that. It wasn't like you grow on and go, oh, we're back at it again. <laughs> and there were twists and turns in the yeah. story that actually made um, made sense and then also made it more enjoyable. I think um, 
just like with anything that we like to review is that, you know, you have to connect the artist to the writing, to the, to the look, to the format, to the story, to, you know, and it and all these, connects together. These were super, super enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I got through four of them probably in six days, maybe. Five yeah. Days, maybe and I, I kind of try uh, not I'm, to I'm bad because I'm the binge guy and I have nothing better to do. So. You're, you're like, I'll read through this in an hour. I, so I try I, not to. <laughs> I probably did. I did. I think probably a, a story a day, maybe at the start. And then when I got to the, the last call, the second volume, I read that all in sitting. Uh, I did too. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, Slayground. Slayground and, yeah. and and the score. I was like, I'm in it. Let's do it. Um, because I think Hunter takes a little bit longer to get through these process. And you might have to do a bit of rereading. But once you get it and you keep continuing, you're like, okay, I want more. Um, well, and it also shows, just to sort of touch on this, um, uh, Darwin Cook's uh, hand in it all. Um, it does show that he really um, cared about the story. You can tell yeah. that right away. Right. And that he was thinking about how is he going to lay out these pages where he's not giving away too much, you know, of sure. the story. And he's also like ready for the big twist or, you know, some other, you know, unforeseen double cross. Yeah. Um, you always how kind of have that feel. Yeah. And, and that's how I think pairing the artist to the story really worked well in this because that's the type of characters he draws, the yes. facial expressions, the way that he right. draws women. How are, you know? yeah. How are they reacting to it? What would they do? He was giving a really good um, voice for the character and uh, yeah. just how, how would they react to Parker if, if they came upon him or they did a deal behind his back? Okay. There's going to be some significant kind of, uh, consequences. And he does a really good job of like, uh, pacing out the pages to, you know, th that sometimes when there's a lot of action, it moves the story super fast. So then you yes. could tell he's, then he starts slowing down a little bit. Sure. Um, and I, in the first volume, his artwork uh, is pretty structured. There's really nothing that goes off the wall a little bit. He doesn't no, get like I think too. He's, I think he's pretty deliberate and, but he wants to use his paneling and his art to tell a story, I think more than words sometimes. Like the yeah, first, like what, five, yeah. six pages, it's just, there's no words or it's very minimal. And it tell, it kind of, you, we, like he said, he was very influenced when he, you know, did animation stuff. So mm -hmm. um, we talked about like uh, how, what, what's going on between the panels? How are the characters interacting? This is a prime example of how that's going. Like right. He wants you to figure out, okay, he's acting with this expression, but he's changing slightly. What's he doing? How is he feeling about it? And that I was like, oh, you're so smart, Darwin Cook. Yeah. <laughs> this is why you're one of my favorites. <laughs> and then when the first volume ends, the, the second volume is the outfit. And yeah. I feel like he got a, not more cartoony, but he really loosened up a lot more. Sure. And he was he was okay sort of yeah. um, doing different camera angles i guess if you want to say it that way yeah um and some of the dialogue gets a little more like um sure i don't know and i, I guess just to, the, to fill that in the man with the getaway face the sole purpose of this story is to set up um that so that was between volume up, yeah. one and volume two yes okay. and what i liked about it in these collect editions was it feels like every story connects to each other Mm -hmm. So some characters that will be in uh, the hunter, it will be in the getaway face, yeah, like a significant, a, yeah. a significant 
thing happens in the getaway face and that changes uh, you know he uh he goes through uh, all three volumes like that that happened and he makes it stick and it makes it matter well and like in the hunter it's really just him yeah and then in the outfit you start realizing that he is he's got a few closer friends he, you know? yeah well he's got that like you know john wick kind of like people know him in mm-hmm. the in the know and he's like it's parker and then everyone's like oh no way like he yeah he's, he's, feared. he's kind of becomes myth he's yes. kind of the boogeyman he's you know? feared but he's also respected and if he said hey guys i need you to uh, help me out on this job or whatever sure. you know their first question is what's our take right but yes. like at the same time they do they do respect him enough to know that he um he doesn't cut corners and that he wouldn't purposely right. walk them into like something that would harm them like a trap you know yep he wanted people that were familiar with you know being a thief but were all smart who went rat he never gets caught by the police um he usually has people that usually, I don't know, maybe paid him off. I don't think he does. He's, he's not really too police, uh, you know, oriented or, or just trying to pay him off the bribe or something. Yeah. He wants to have them aware. It's not till later on that that becomes a, a factor, but you know, it's always like going after this mob boss cause he double crossed him after he set him up with the job or, um, one like, hers his wife and he won't forget that it stole his wife and, yep. her and stole his wife and he's not gonna forgive him um they always have like a hideout uh, well i always like too like he gets together a few guys he tells them the plan you yep. and one guy's like nah i don't i'm i'm not in right and then he leaves and then you just think like okay well that's sort yeah. of the honor among thieves of right. like i've heard about this it's not for me you guys have a great time and yeah you know that he's not gonna go and turn him into someone because what's he gonna do go to the police so you yeah. know it is it is it is uh, very much you're i think you nailed it yeah honor among thieves yeah absolutely. and it, he it is fun his, his companion because it puts you in that like it puts you in that world and you feel like all right now i'm part of this gang too, sure you know? and so along the way as like darwin cook starts developing these panels i really respect that he does mapping and all these extra things that help you illustrate um the story and and fill in like okay so i guess this was in the outfit he maps out the route of which he delivers the mail that goes out to his gang buddies yeah Um, like from new york from new york he lays out like a map of like and kind of does like the itinerary like here we start here we make a stop (laughs) we grab lunch we stay the night then we'll go to here because so he doesn't establish a trail or a pattern that people could pick up on so I thought that was like he Darwin Cook didn't have to give this to us, but he mm-hmm. did because <laughs> he was like, I know you guys. He does that really well. He also does like, um, what's the best way to say it? So like Parker and his friends are always sort of uh, holding themselves taller and they're stronger and they just look like they mean business yeah. and they're just like experienced. And some of them are kind of like smiling all the time or some of them are just sort of that uh, uh, a frame, you know, tall, yep. you know, broad shoulders. And then when he gets to like the, the crooked people or like the, sure. the boss's boss or like the, the gangsters, uh, bodyguards, he draws them kind of like goofy and lanky and like overweight and balding. Oh, sure. And, you know, so he does a really good job of like, uh, giving everyone their own sort of character. And some of people you're like, I want to know more about that guy or right. I want you to do a story about him. He might bring that guy back if you're like, yeah. Yeah, he makes memorable characters sure. with that. 
Um, he also, uh, I think this was in the outfit where he talks, there's a, there's a story in which, um, he talks about, Oh, ah, this guy, uh, the mob boss got ro- robbed like 10 times, right? He lost yeah. over like a million dollars. And so he talks about, Oh, this is the latest one that, um, that happened. And Darwin cook, like takes a break from doing all these, you know, styled panels and really interesting layout and then he takes kind of a stab at like prose and just doing a different way and i'm not usually a prose guy anymore so like "Eh, (laughs) but it's called the um the club cockatoo raid and i was like oh i'll try reading it usually i skip this part but i'm like i'll try it it was so captivating for me i'm like oh this is kind of cool okay and he does give some illustration so you could lay it out yeah, but, but it's he, almost like a short story. It is. And and it it's it reads the same way as the rest of his um Comic, text yeah. bubbles sure. comics, you know. Yeah. So it was quick, quick little um sentences or quick little like, you know, here here we go, Rico with this way. And right. Rico cut the wheel and switched off the ignition, you know, like yeah. just sort of like it kept you moving through the story. But that was that was really interesting just to change up the format mm-hmm. a bit and just, you know, flex his muscles a little bit. Then he goes on to like what was the this one? It was called like yeah the turf um yeah it was like turf and and the sport digest and it's like Del Mar the next day so he talks about another crime story that have like another instance that the money was stolen well, except so, he changes his whole style but I think what he did too the the reason why he did this was the story that he the main story he's writing has Parker as the character and yes. parker is the main character and that's how he's illustrated right and when he goes off to tell a side story about other people that first one is like a novel the second one is almost like instructions to a board game sort yeah, of. you know it has like a really really old school feel like um like like old pink panther or something okay. like really old rocky and bullwinkle kind okay. of stuff like that's the art that he's decided to tell this particular yeah and it was so cool because you do get to see some of these characters come back and other stories but this is like where they started and it's it's simplistic but it uh and it's a little it's a little busy yeah but if you a little comical too 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 comical so it's not taking itself super seriously um but it's just so just so uh it shows so much over so little and uh it's just he's playing with a different format and that's that seems so interesting to me, <laughs> especially when we see a lot of a lot of different styles and things like happen. It's like, oh, he, he can he can do a little bit of everything. Yeah, so, like it shows that Darwin Cook actually has like, like a, uh, yeah. eight, eight different styles that he can draw yeah. at any moment. Right. He does this like bank robbery, uh, another bank robbery where he actually goes to the bank and does like the specific payout and stuff like that. He yes. Illustrates the money and like the the math that it would take and how much he was getting from these like melee people. And well, and like, it was weird too because he was explaining how these high level like white collar crimes yeah. work. Like right. yeah, <laughs> breaking it down to like the yeah. intricate detail. Like this is how a um horse race gets fixed and yeah. this is how yeah he broke uh, that down to yeah like, i was like holy <laughs> like, crap oh. <laughs> like, like someone that's put, very explicit yeah someone puts a you know a diamond and gets a a, a bet and then that yeah. dime gets turned into a you know yeah. where, where does the money go itself. like how yeah. does it build up and, and then what broker system. needs to he take it to the this, collector and shows all of that. the whole system and i'm like you're like wow that works huh <laughs> okay it's, it's, it's a step-by-step on how to do crime yeah yeah i was like wow uh, and then it gets so back to yeah. Parker. But, you know, the nice part yeah. is 
while you were jumping away, like you, you immediately saw that, you know, number one, Darwin Cook has different ways of illustrating, but also that there's this whole world of crimes versus organized crime versus, you know, Parker, uh, and they all interconnect. So the story again, keeps you engaged. Cause if the story wasn't really engaging, yeah, then you, you'd be like kind of lost. Right. Right. Um, and that's where I think a lot of people give a lot of credit for Parker is because you you're in the story. You're not like, okay, well, where's this going? Sure. Like any at any moment, I wasn't like, well, now what are they? You know, yeah. I think it was really really great. And you know, even though Parker is not the hero of the story, he is not the villain either. And that makes him very interesting because how he plays out certain scenarios and situations, how he trusts people. I well, think like that when was he so takes cool. uh, uh, hostages, he's yeah. always very nice to them. Yep. He always yeah, asks he their uses name. A, he uses asks their name. Yep. You know, what do you do? Okay. It's like, all right, I'm sorry, we're gonna have to tie you up, but come sure. on over here. And it's like he's he is very nice. He doesn't want people to just get you know killed for no reason, and yeah. he doesn't want every job that he does to be just this giant yeah. you know, so body. It count. Makes him for a very compelling uh, character to follow. Uh, so that was that was really interesting. Um, so out of the four stories or volumes, Ramos, what was your favorite ones? Well, pretty easy. The My favorite one was the outfit. But then when I read the score, I was like, oh, oh really I, I'm too. OK. I was like, we'll OK, I don't know fiving, which yeah. Picture us air five because those are the two that I was like, this. As soon as I so finished the outfit, I was like, that was, was awesome. awesome. And yeah. then once you finished the score, so you're like, like that's, that's really pretty good. good too. Too. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I think I like the score a little bit more. But uh, the outfit was uh, because everything he builds in here pays off in score. Well, and I and think I like the that. outfit because for me, that has a definitive like high moment when I read it for the first time. Like sure. that was like, okay, this is how it's meant to be. This is great. Yeah. And then the score, not that he used sort of the same uh, like energy, I guess is a good way to say it, but, mm-hmm. but it was, um, it was a lot more like like an actual movie to me where yeah. like the outfit was like a really good story turned into a comic sure and where like the score was like um what you would think a movie was now translated into a comic okay. yes that's yeah you know. and the only story that was the other supplemental story in this first volume was the seventh where um Parker works with starts a job, but he works with like an amateur and he's like, I'm not sure about this guy, but I'll, I'll go along with it. Even though it's one against one of my rules. Oh, that was in here. No. Oh, you got, did you get the seventh? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, okay. Let me see. That was kind of cool because you got to learn, like he really has to trust, like how he builds like trust with people. And he's like, this amateur just robbed us. And he feels so pissed about it. He's like, I'm going after that guy. <laughs> yeah, that is in here. I wonder, I don't know if it's in the beginning. Sure. But no, that you're flipping through and that looks very familiar to me. Yeah. So even though this is that almost like standalone compared to everything, you just kind of build up like, okay, this is another you know, uh, facet of Parker's like mentality and how he deals with the situation and you know, you never hear so much about, oh, like a new person coming in the circle or an amateur. Usually right. he doesn't work with amateurs. So it was like the one time he did, the one time he did, <laughs> <laughs> they crossed him and you know, he 
they didn't mature learn. Well, and it also just cemented that he never slows down. Like once, right. once he's got you in his sights, and if you've, you know, done any wrong to him, he will find you. And that yes. to me was that again, yes, a little bit of the Punisher, but also kind of like, you know, if we were to compare it to some of the newer ones, you know, John Wick feel things sure. like that. Yeah. And uh, uh, but yeah, the score was was definitely all of the. Um, all the tools in Darwin's toolbox came out because he had sure he drew little like maps. It had a little fold out. The little even the little oh, books that, have a fold out. Uh, I think that was that in a Slaygram. Oh, that was in Slaygram. Yeah. Right. Well, I guess we but, can talk about the fold out quick. Um, so the fold out um, that was that we both had. And it was surprising that we both had it. Yeah, like the little books. I'm like, what is? This uh, I thought I was just in this one. I was like, oh, did you get? That? It's like, yeah, I got that too. I'm like, wow. Um, so the fold- oh look, the seventh is all the way at the end of oh, okay. Slayground, so okay. it's this tiny. Sure, oh, that's interesting where they put that. That makes sense. But um, the foldout. So in Slayground, Slayground takes place at a amusement park. Parker's held up there um, because he just he just got finished this robbery, but the cops are on his tail, and so he's going to escape. And, and it's in the winter, so normally I. I can't remember where the city is quite yet, but um, it's snowing there and, you know, it's blizzard conditions, you know, and, but, you know, people could still get around and he hides in this play, this, uh, and this amusement park hold up in there waiting for the cops to come get him or just so he can pass them off and escape. So what Cook does while, you know, he's telling and describing the story, we talked about mapping and things like that. He made an actual fold out of the whole park. Um, it was called Fun Island because <laughs> there's different, uh, you know, different attractions and stuff like that. So there's like Alcatraz Island, Hawaiian Island, New York Island, Treasure Island, Voodoo Island, Pleasure Island. It's almost like a old school, what you would consider like a old school. Yeah, uh, like World's Fair or something Coney like that or, or State yeah. Fair or whatever you have it. And he illustrates like what's going on in the park. Yeah. Is there any rides? <laughs> Like Galaxy Quest is in like Island Earth, uh, Island Earth, the Tickets Booth, um, you know, the Wax Museum, yeah, Alcatraz yeah. Wax Museum, Exact Snake Huts in Voodoo Island, Voodoo Island Funhouse. Like, you know, there's parts where you know, now that you know where these are, when Parker comes across, it's like, oh, I know where that is. Okay, I can just look it up on my handy dandy map. Oh, and Slayground was really fun because, like Andrew said, he so Parker. Um, he, he did a job and then when he was like climbing over the fence into into Fun Island yeah. to escape the cops were just watching him across the street like he was climbing over and then yeah. they were like hey look at that and he's literally carrying this bag of money and he's like yeah. climbing over he's the got gate. like almost 80 grand and, yeah it's like 75 thousand and you're wondering like why aren't they chasing after him and then you realize that they were you know crooked cops so yeah they're they're was, in it for the money part of it so they could split it so they heard on the radio that he had made away with a ton of money so yeah it, it turns into like a, a home alone thing where yeah. he has to like oh, set traps you yeah. know set traps because he knows that they're part. coming for him and mm-hmm. he knows that they're crooked cops so yeah. he's like no one's coming to arrest me. Sure. They're coming to kill me and take this money. Yeah. Oh man. And and even though this almost felt like a, not like a, like it didn't relate so much to the hunter or the score or the outfit, but this was it was a little more standalone in that capacity. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was so much fun. 
yeah <laughs> that that story so, so that story was fun yeah the um the score was like uh really detailed like yes how how are they going to pull off this the the biggest job they've ever tried yeah. to pull off we'll say mm -hmm. um and and how are they going to do that and when when the score starts they are putting together their team which eventually comes out to like eight people nine people you know yeah so then now you're juggling all their personalities all the different sure. types of all their looks and, and he's the one that's Darwin planning it good. yeah playing the heist so yes. it's like uh, he's he's not usually the planner. He's usually the the hired gun, the mercenary, the the guy who gets the stuff done. Yeah, where he's like, "Tell me the plan," and then he's like, "Now your plan sucks," and then he yeah. walks away. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he is the one that is basically he's called in for the expertise to pull off the stunt. So uh, that was kind of interesting, just a different dynamic of his character. So how would he deal as the planner of the ice? So that was super cool. And in some comics that we read, you know, there's always that um, feeling that they need to push, uh, push action and they need to push sure. the narrative along really fast because, you know, it's kind of like you have to continually throw these, you know, nuggets out to the reader to keep them entertained, right? So they're always like, yes, we're going to set this up and then boom, this happens. And then we'll set this up and wham, that happens, you know? And so you're kind of, continually being fed this exciting you know uh change of events yeah well in parker i found myself way more involved in the actual story and the actual sure. like who is doing what and why uh more than i was yeah, what like, are their motivations yeah are? yeah more than i was waiting for like the next gunfight you know right. i was waiting for the next uh you know uh police to come because yes, he, he's very or the, the story is very meticulous in the planning of how this happens yes yeah we get to know more how this happens versus okay we've seen we've seen the gunfight it happened done we get to see like here's the before here's all the planning and then here are the consequences of mm. what happens sometimes it goes well he gets a set off in the sunset somebody might have died <laughs> <laughs> but he still gets away. Fine. Well, I like that one time in the score where that kid wakes up in the middle of the night and goes running down the street. Yeah. You know, he's like broke curfew and then he gets caught by one of the mm -hmm. robbers. And you're like, oh no, what's going yeah. And then the robbers just like ties him up and leaves him. Yeah. And you're like, oh, all right. Well, that was cool. I mean, but it was a good, uh, you know, when that stuff kind of happens, I always think like, why did they take two pages to do that? Yeah. You know? And, Why does it matter? Yeah. yeah, and I think it mattered to show that, again, they just keep pushing the narrative that these guys are not out to just, you know, slaughter everybody in no. sight. And that they still, you know, tie people up. And once you're tied up and they put a little piece of tape across your mouth, it's like, that's it. In this world, you're done. Yep. You know, in this world, you are out of play. Oh, sure. Um, I mean, when he, when he <laughs> held up the bank people or, or the, no, even the phone company. When he held up the phone company, he didn't. Uh, one of his uh, one of his um, supporting characters, one of his friends, when he held up the phone company, he, he, he hooks up with one of the yeah. phone he's like, girls. So that was he's like the goofy guy. He's the goofy he, guy. Yeah. He's the lighthearted one, and that's kind of funny to follow along his story. So I was like, okay, all right. Parker's not doesn't really know that's happening. Like, <laughs> he, they so they're still human. Yeah, um, so they're still human. Yeah, they're not cutthroat. They're very much, you know, they're in for the money, but there's there's more personnel. They're very robust characters. Yeah, it's not like a SEAL team was just you know unleashed or anything. Yeah. These are 
These are guys they intended who intended to be, but they weren't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> These are guys who, you know, have meetings in suits and then they go off in their black, uh, you know, undercover yeah. outfits kind of thing. Or it's like a twi- like the twist is like, oh, this betrayal happened. It comes really out of nowhere, but it doesn't. But you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. I was like, that was very intentional. Like, I, it wasn't too predictable. And I think. Yeah. Like, you know, it, like Ocean's Eleven or something yeah. like that. Oh, know? yeah. So much of that. Yeah. I could see that being an influence, actually. So another thing that really got me about the score was, like, at the end, or in the back, he has special thanks to a yeah. bunch of his friends, and then he's, in parentheses, has the the names that he used in the comics for them. So, like, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti yep. was Palm. Huge, yeah, huge and, DC writer. Yeah, Michael Cho was Cho, of course. Yeah, um, huge artist, yeah. And... Uh, uh, Jim Steranko is in here. Yeah, Jim Steranko. Yeah, <laughs> as, even though he's, I don't Phillips. think he was a very, I think he was, was he only Marvel or maybe he did a little DC or something like that? Uh, yeah, but I think he also was just well known by uh, everyone. everyone. So, sure, he may have been huge in the comic book community. Yeah, I know, so it was funny like when they first sort of showed him in comic form because he immediately gave me, you know, Jim Steranko vibes. I okay. I was like, oh, that guy's kind of like, you know, Jim <laughs> and then at the end, I was like, oh, it's intentional like him. Sure. I mean, look at his like little, I mean, that's. Oh, yeah. Very so that much. That was Strinkle. Okay. Yeah. Because he just looked like a cool old guy. Yeah. Pop but Phillips. It, but and, knowing that he was supposed to be, yeah, Jim Stranko. Yeah. Totally yeah. Like so I was like, oh, great. And he was the time, yeah. yeah. And the whole time he was just really like cool. Because he like was the, cool. the elder thief that's been around a little bit. He's like, oh, I can help with that. Should have put him in like colored glasses and stuff. But yeah, so it was really cool that he was incorporating his friends and, yeah. you know, other people. And he he does forwards and he has, um, you know, uh I think Darwin just wanted to just have fun with it and right. show the fun, kind story. of pay homage but show fun at the at the and same then, time, and then yeah. also show a different way to um, illustrate violence, and that's yes. really, really, really well, that's that's a good way good. of thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, like here's violence. People do get shot. Yes, people. This guy died, and yes, this. But he's illustrating it in a way where it still happens, and people always get like smacked by the butt of the guns that's always like a big deal yeah and uh he he shows it and he kind of like emphasizes it with swoops in the background or or splashes of color but at the same time he's not there's no um extended violence it's always sort of like one hit and he moves on and so yeah, for you he as doesn't a reader, drag it out very much. Yeah, like no one's getting tortured and stuff. No. You know? and so versus me, like a Sin City or Frank Miller, he, right. that was very yeah uh, strenuous and things like that. He really wanted to make an emphasis on what yeah, was or like bandaged up and everything yeah. too. Yeah. So, so it's kind uh, of like the the flip side of that. I yeah, I mean, if it. you if you want to say it was dialed down, I don't think so because in this format, it was it's a big deal still. It is. Yeah. So he's not like showing violence just to um add uh some sort of sensationalized you know flair to it sure he's just sort of like these are violent guys this guy got in their way and yep. that's it you right know, moving on <laughs> right yeah um makes it feel authentic with the time like we said earlier and and things like that so it's not totally out of left field but you're like uh you know that and things like that happen so for the different formats i mean i'm i'm my smaller books just had the four stories. Yes. And we always talk about what is the difference between like an omnibus or a absolute or, you know, some other, you know, what they, they're calling here, the martini edition or some other places <laughs> might have a, you know, artist's edition. You know, 
for me, those books are more sought after because they do have um, uh, usually like character sketches. They usually have like, you know, extra script. They have, you know, some ideas and um, other story, you know, so it is really cool um, to see that they are, they embrace the story. IDW embrace the story enough because they're the ones who originally came out with the smaller format. Yeah. So then they said, you know what, let's double down on this and put everything we've got into a larger format. Sure. Program. And and the editor, Scott, he was very much the, the big helping Darwin Cook with the property, help him get to where he needed to be. And then they were like, hey, do you want to do this in a bigger format? And they're like, yeah, let's, let's do it. So you got to... Um, hear some of the conversations they they put together with between him darren cook um ed brubaker bruce tim uh comes up and yeah scott's in it too he's the one that's moderating and there's a few other people that are, are mentioned and stuff and it's really cool because you get to that feel about what was what was darwin going through what what was though he had he had a rough patch with uh Edward Breaker where he didn't talk to him for seven years. But it was really cool <laughs> that he admired uh it, while he was there on that hiatus. He when criminal was coming out, he's like, Hey, that's a good job. You could you and he gave him some notes and stuff that really affect uh -huh. how that book came out. Wow. Um so that was really cool to like, hear some of those interviews about that. His time in and Bruce Tim talks about like his time in at uh when he was working with uh, Batman animated series and Superman and um, they working on the spirit, you know, that's how he kind of, that's how he kind of interact with his editor and just a lot of cool stories that I would have never known unless I read this too. Um, Cook was a very stern guy, but he also liked to have fun. You know, he's always at a con, you know, they were, that's where they would get a lot of their ideas and just network a bit. Um, had a lot of friends and just the close friends and um, really was a big like a big person in the comic book community he was is definitely huge. yeah i mean he was easily one of the most well respected through the a very, community. A very big pillar and, yeah and he really did push the idea of like you know yes my artwork is different and it looks different but it's still as respected as anyone else's art because you know he is thinking about you know use of the page and you know, the graphic nature of it all and, you know, how the story moves along. And you, and I think for me, Darwin Cook, I mean, the first thing you notice when you flip through the, any of the, is the art, like just yeah. jumps, it just yeah. immediately jumps and really, really, really well done. Yeah. So that was, that was super cool. Um, again, we talked about, you know, for this, the, the last call Ed Brubaker did um, a story called tomorrow, tomorrow and tomorrow. And this was cool because he did it just this, I think this last year when the pandemic was going on, he worked on the story and that's how he kind of built that out. And so when this edition was coming, they were like, Hey, do you want to do this? Yeah, sure. I'll do that. Mm -hmm. He was very big, close friend, Darwin cooks. And this was kind of cool because it kind of, it's like a, you know, in a movie or, or a series or something where they do it like years later or down the road, like an right. aftermath story, an epilogue kind of thing. And so he kind of does that where like there was a, a particular heist they did and he hid the money somewhere, but they couldn't remember where they hid it. <laughs> so um, his, his, one of his best friends that, you know, he's in the outfit and the score, um, he's still alive. Parker has disappeared and he doesn't really remember. He's trying to remember all like where they hid it and things like that. It takes him years and years and years to find it. And then something happens. I won't spoil it all the way in case you do pick this up, but it was really tasteful to 
both the, the character and the artist. So um, it was a good way to send it off. And yeah, just the way Brew Baker in these in this four and stuff, he, where he talks about his friend Darren Cook, um, it was really touching and definitely worth checking out. So yeah, um, the last thing, th- and this was also like the last thing like Darren Cook worked on um, at, at IDW and comics in general. This was like pretty much his last thing. Um, so that was a really cool way to like, this was, this was the definitive thing. So yeah, he, he had plans to do more, um, stuff with Parker. I think the next story he's going to work on was butcher's moon. Hmm. So you can always look up what that would have been and continue with the series. So he was always still planning ahead. He had things in the works, but I think it was cancer that really done them in. So, yeah. And as the, as the time of the recording, the, these Parker editions, the first one's hard to find now, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not bad. Oh, it's a little okay. hard, but it, yeah. But the second one is still pretty new and coming yeah. in and out. Yep. So whatever format you can enjoy the story, do it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We, we highly recommend it. We, I even found these editions um, on Hoopla. They actually had them as well. So Oh, digitally. Yeah, digitally yeah that would well. be great. I think this story is um, a good palate cl- cleanser too. If yes. you've been reading something that's like, uh, you know, oh, I'm going to start reading all the issues of X Men or something. You yeah. know, if you're, and, and that's what if, I was did. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was in a middle in, in the middle of like X Men run, <laughs> and I was reading some anime uh, manga. I was reading. Ta- I'm on uh, Attack on Titan right now, and I was like, oh, what can we read? You know, do we want to do some Marvel or DC? It's a good and, jump in between. It's a good to reinvigorate you and sitting on bring the shelf. Back. I was yeah. like, hey, we've been talking about this for a long time. Let's 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 break them out. And I was like, I don't have those, but the library does. So <laughs> everyone, check your library know what they have because it, you'd be surprised they had all four of these in great condition and um they yes they do have them marked adult graphic novel but at the same time uh it was just really easy read so yeah see what you got see what you can find and uh maybe some people got some you know extra gift cards laying around and, <laughs> and go, go get yourself some books yeah uh for sure and that's uh, that's a wrap here on this great episode of Vampire Comic Hour. This is Andrew Bonner and Chris Ramos signing off. Goodbye, Darwin.